Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 26 of our chapter, we read that the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city named Nazareth in Galilee. It's now the second time in about six months that Gabriel is sent by the Lord to bring great and life-changing news to the earth. The first time, as we read, was to the priest Zachariah. Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth were both old and they had no children. And Gabriel had met Zachariah while Zachariah was doing his duties in the temple. And Gabriel had told Zachariah that Elizabeth would bear him a son. And he had also told Zachariah that this son would be a very special child because it would be great in the sight of the Lord and he would be the one who was the prophet of old had prophesied would prepare the way of the Lord. And as I said, it is now about six months later and Gabriel is again sent down to the world with another message. And this time, however, the angel Gabriel carries an even greater message, an even more life-changing news with him. And not only is the message that Gabriel needs to bring greater, but the address of the message he carries is actually quite surprising. The surprise about the address is that this time Gabriel is not sent, as it's Zechariah, to Jerusalem in the temple. No, he is sent by God to Galilee, the region which the Lord himself by the prophet Isaiah once called the land of darkness and the shadows of death. That's, that's why Gabriel needs to go. In the time of our text, it was called Galilee of the Gentiles, also a very revealing name. And in this Galilee of the Gentiles, Gabriel was not to go to its most prominent city like Capernaum, but to a small town called Nazareth. And in Nazareth, just like Gal um, Galilee, had not a very good reputation. Some years later, another Galilean by the name of Nathaniel would state as a fact that not any good could come from Nazareth. Nazareth didn't have a good name. Now, to this town it is that Gabriel must go to bring that awesome message from God. And in this town, there lives that young girl by the name of Mary. She was a descendant of the house of David, which sounds like quite a bit. But we all know that David's house was re really reduced to only a stump, a cut-off stump. We don't know how old Mary was, but she was pledged, most likely by her father, to be married to Joseph. And, and that points to an age in the early teens, somewhere between 12 and maybe 15 years old. So it is to this young girl that the angel Gabriel has to go. She was pledged, solemnly promised to Joseph of Nazareth. And Joseph was a carpenter, we know that from Matthew 13. Joseph was also a descendant of the great King David, we know that from Matthew 1. And so Joseph and Mary, together, here they are, the cut-off stump of the house of Jesse, 
King David's father. This is what left of the glory of David's house. Two people in a no good town in a bad area of Israel. And who in Israel would have thought with any hope in his heart for the future of Israel about this forgotten descendant of David, this girl? Who in the world would have been able, able, able to conceive of this? But you see, the Lord does not forget anyone, and the Lord does not forget anything, and especially not the covenant which he once made with David He had said, as we can read in Psalm 89, the verses 35 and 36, that he had said, Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever. A faithful faithful witness in the skies. The Lord once long ago, had sworn by his own holiness and see. He sends his angel to this girl in Nazareth with great and life-changing news. Life-changing, of course, yes, in the first place to Mary, for to this young girl. For when Gabriel left, her life was turned upside down and it would never be the same again. But life-changing also for an uncountable multitude whose only hope for salvation was in the promised Messiah. It is the Lord's grace that causes all this to happen. And so, congregation, let us see this morning how the grace of the Lord changes Mary's life and how she by that same grace may respond to the Lord's message. And we look at a passage under the theme, the Grace of the Lord works in Mary. And then we'll see that it works in believing surrender to the Lord. And also in believing submission to his word. First on we look at that it works. The grace of the Lord works in believing surrender to the Lord in Mary. Beginning of our text in verse 38. We hear Mary say, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And with those words she Humbly surrendered herself to the Lord and to his plans for her. Now you can just imagine that one could respond. No wonder, of course, she surrendered to the Lord. Because the angel had just told her that she would become the mother of the promised Messiah. Of the Son of God. She was about to become the mother of him for whom her people had been waiting already for so many many years. Well, that's exciting. Now, before we would all jump in and agree with this, let's see not only to whom, but also to what it was that Mary surrendered herself. In verse 31, we read that the angel said to Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus. Keep in mind again that the angel Gabriel is not speaking to a fully mature woman with some significant life experience. Gabriel is speaking to a young girl who is just as inexperienced as all young girls of 12 to 15 years old. And Gabriel wasn't finished yet. 
And he begins to explain to Mary what kind of child it will be that she will give birth to. He says, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The son of the most high. She will receive it and he will receive this, this, the throne of his father David and his kingdom will have no end. Wow, think about this for a moment. What a message. Imagine getting a message like this. Now Mary could only think of one thing to say. In verse 34, we hear her ask the question, how will this be since I am a virgin? Since I know not a man. That's what she literally said. Since I know not a man. How can this be, Gabriel? I'm not married yet. It's hard to believe, brothers and sisters, that Mary at this moment immediately realized the full extent of what all this would mean to her. The angel had told her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Almighty would overshadow her and that so she would become pregnant and that her child would be the Son of God and, but she could have hardly have realized how much her life would change from that very moment on. You see, the consequences of what was just announced to Mary was not only totally life-changing, but also unsettling, at least, and, and somewhat frightening even. We all know that Mary was a virgin who was pledged to be married to Joseph. She wasn't married yet, but neither was she free anymore. If a girl in that time in Israel was promised in marriage to a man, then she came under much of the same rules that counted for married couples. And, and if you were pledged to be married to a man, then having a relationship with another man was considered full adultery. And the punishment for a woman convicted of adultery was originally in the Old Testament to be stoned to death. In Mary's time, it was according to Matthew 1, verse 19, public disgrace, whatever that would entail. What would happen? If Mary would become pregnant, and Joseph would find out and deny that he had any part in this. We, we of course, know from Matthew 1 that Joseph after he found out that Mary was pregnant, planned to leave Mary secretly, taking the blame upon himself so that Mary would not be accused of adultery and not suffer that shame and, and the punishment for it. But Mary, at that moment, didn't know that, that Joseph would do that. For her, for her, the most likely thing to happen was that Joseph would accuse her from adultery and that she, for the rest of her life, would be treated as an outcast. Like a prostitute of a tax collector. Or, or in the worst case, be stoned to death even. Stoning to death was certainly a possibility also in that time. It, it was the intention of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law with that woman, which they in John 8 verse 5 brought to Jesus and who was caught into adultery. And the Lord Jesus says, well, whoever of you is without sin, throw the first stone. 
Stoning was still an option. So I can just imagine how Mary must have felt when that all started to, to trickle into her mind. Not the only thing, but she was about to marry with Joseph. They had made plans for the wedding. And, and she most likely loved him. She didn't want to lose him. She lived in a small town and everybody knew each other. She knew it. She would have to suffer the gossip, the shame, the pointing of the fingers, the contempt of the people of her own town. Her parents would also be ashamed. The friends would look away from her. Oh, yes, it is true. Gabriel, in the name of the Lord, tells Mary that she will become pregnant because of the Holy Spirit will come upon her. But who of even her best friends, even Joseph, would believe such a thing? Joseph, I'm pregnant. But it's not from another man. So now we see a little bit of what was involved for Mary. And would we now be still so quick to agree that it was so obvious for Mary to submit to the Lord. Because she was about to become the mother of the promised Messiah. You see, by the time that Mary made that, makes that beautiful statement in verse 38... Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. She must have began to realize what it would take. But it's not so far yet. It is trickling in. Yes, sure. She, she knew that Gabriel had promised that the power of the Most High would overshadow her. In other words, that the Lord himself would protect her. And she knew that she could go to her cousin, cousin Elizabeth to hide for three months. But soon, the angel Gabriel would go back to heaven. And Mary would stay behind, a young girl, with a secret that's turning, to say the least. And seen in this late Mary's statement, Behold, I am the Lord's servant, becomes a miracle all by itself. And don't miss the behold here. Some translations, they, they leave that out. This is a short Greek word, edu. And it means just hey, pay attention. It, it, it means actually a whole lot of different things it can mean. And even here, Mary kind of in wonderment cries out, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Then yes, it expresses her willingness, but just as much as her shock, her surprise, her wonderment. Behold. Comes the miracle of God's grace at work in Mary. Even the words that Gabriel uses point to the Lord's great grace. Gabriel says to Mary in verse 28, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And when after this Mary still got afraid, Gabriel said it again in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And the word translated favor is the Greek word charis, which means grace. Gabriel tells Mary she is the highly graced one. 
He said it to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. And so we see that it is by the grace of God that Mary could make that wonderful statement. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Without fully knowing what it all would bring into the life. That is by the, that's the grace of God. The message that Mary received was one that changed her life forever. And the Lord asked for Mary a difficult sacrifice. But through grace, he believingly submitted herself to the Lord. Behold, I am the Lord's service. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls. The question to us this morning is, yeah, what about us? I know that the Lord will never ask from any one of us to do what he asked for Mary. Mary's task in, is unique in history. But still there is also something that is just the same. The Lord spoke to Mary through the angel Gabriel. But to us the Lord speaks too. He comes to us through his word, through the reading and the preaching of his word. That's a real way of speaking, of the Lord speaking to us. And, and just because we have that word preached to us, and we have the opportunity to, to open it at any time and read from it and study it, we, we can, just like Mary say, that we have found grace with the Lord, as by the Lord's grace. He is a favored. That, we, that God speaks to us. And in his word, the Lord calls us to follow him. In his word, the Lord calls us to believe in him. And, and in his word, he gives us a task. All of us. To be his witness. Or to suffer unto his glory. To do all things to his glory. Our daily tasks. And yes, when we submit to that task, he gives us. That we also could say, I am the Lord's servants. And if we faithfully do all those things. And if we faithfully submit to his tasks. To do it also according to his word. Then the consequences for us too will be totally life changing. That's what the Lord Jesus warned us for. Then we too will have to bear the scorn from people around us. Not for the same reason in the same way as with Mary. But nevertheless. It is even possible that our own family members turn at us. Because they might just all of a sudden find us way too, too pious. And too serious. So what about us? The Lord asks from us, for most of us, not as much as he asks for Mary. For some of us, he may ask more. But, but are we ready to say it with Mary? I am the Lord's servant. And then really live that way. We, we don't always know ahead of time what task the Lord Gives us what comes up in our lives, right? And and sometimes we are all quite a bit in that 
in that, into that calling, into the things happening in our lives before we start realizing that the Lord is, is really what wants us to answer to that call. It may be to suffer unto his glory. It may be to, to show great patience. It, 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 anything in life. Right? And are we don't willing at that moment that we realize it to say, yes, I, I am the Lord's servant. Lord, you are the potter. I am the clay. See, that's a kind of a wonderful thing what you read here about Mary, that she did something that humanly speaking is kind of impossible. It can only happen by the grace of God. That we need to pray for. The Lord promises us, just as he promises Mary, that is... Holy Spirit, his power will overshadow us. And the Lord Jesus said that he will never leave us or forsake us. That he will be with us until the end of the earth. We, we, we go his way. We're never alone. He gave us his Holy Spirit never to leave us again. Boys and girls and adults too, of course, continue to ask the Lord... To give you the grace to submit to what the Lord asks of you. To give you the grace to be able to say with all your heart. Every day. I am the Lord's servant. It's a good thing to tell yourself. To say at the beginning of the day. Before you leave home. I am the Lord's servant. Lord you have bought me with your precious blood. Give me always the grace. To do what you call me to do. And then to also to do it in the way that you tell me in your word. And that's what our second point is about. So you're willing to do the things that come to us the Lord's way, according to his word. We'll look at that second point in a second point. That the grace of the Lord works in Mary and believing submission to his word. Mary says... In your text, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, whatever it takes, Lord, your will be done. You see, saying to the Lord that you are his servant is one thing. This is awesome. Saying to the Lord that you want to follow him is something that actually a lot of people have told the Lord already. But, but what in reality happens to so many of those lot of people is that when it comes clear that following him could bring life-changing difficulties, they kind of turn away. They kind of turn away. They still want to be the Lord's servant, but not when it takes death. The Bible tells us about a man who said to the Lord, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And the Lord told him that foxes have holes and that the birds of the air have nests, but that he has no place to rest his head. And you don't hear of the man anymore. Of course you want to follow the Lord that way. And the, the rich young ruler needed to sell everything he had and give to the poor. He became sad and left. Judas left, betrayed the Lord when he learned that the Lord was on his way to the cross and not to the throne. 
They all, in one way or another, said, Jesus, Mary, I am the Lord's servant. But they could not, as Mary, by the grace of the Lord, say, let it be to me according to your word. You see, it would have been so understandable, brothers and sisters, if Mary would have said to the Lord, yes, Lord, I am your servant. But I do not want to to run the risk of being accused of adultery. And Lord, I don't want to lose Joseph about this. Can't you wait, Lord, until I'm married with him? We we would have understood that from her, wouldn't we? But it's not what Mary said. She said, let it be to me according to your word. Have thine own way, Lord. Mary could say this by the grace of the Lord. The Lord always gives, brothers and sisters, sufficient grace to those who submit to him. The thing is that you only experience that that grace when you are submitting to him and obey him. When you are willing to do the things according to his word. You can't sit down and, and just wait for that grace to come and then go, uh, go ahead and do it. It goes the other way around. It be to me according to your word. Mary had lived in the, lived in the time that for many people it was Advent. There were people that lived in expectation for the coming of the Messiah. They believed that he would come soon. There were people like Simeon and Anna and Zachariah and Elizabeth. Mary was most likely one of those people and a future husband, Joseph, too. And when the Lord came to Mary and came into her life, she by faith was ready for the Lord's coming. As he spoke those wonderful words, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be according to me, according to your word. Now we too live in the time that we, which he called the Advent. Because we too expect the Lord to come, but for the second time. This time not as a little child in the manger, but as the almighty savior of his people and as Lord over all who will take all his people home and will judge all those who did not not believe in him or want to follow him or to submit to him. Brothers and sisters, are you ready for that day? Just as Mary was ready when the Lord came into her life because she was expecting him. There is only one way that you will be ready for that day, that is, if you by faith and through grace expect the Lord to come, that you long for his coming every day. That's the way of life. Live in expectation. Yes, long for a day, but also hasten that day by being diligent to, diligent to do whatever task the Lord calls you to do. You see, that is what we do. We, we go to work. And most of us, halfway the week, start looking forward to the weekend. But, but as, as, as people that expect the Lord to come, we go to work 
Because we expect the Lord to come. And, and that's how we do our work. And then when he comes, you're ready. And then when he asks, gives you a task to do, it may as well take sacrifices. He said, let it happen according to your word. It's all, all belongs together. So important that you're able and willing to say it and, and to live it. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be according to me as you, to, uh, let it be according to me, uh, according to your word. You see, you can never celebrate Christmas if you're not the Lord's servant. For those who do not want the Lord, to be the Lord's servant, Christmas will never be more than a little babe in a manger, little lights in a Christmas tree, hot chocolate and sweet music. But except for those little lights, it will remain dark. Only for his servants is Christ the light of life. Brothers and sisters, how we need to pray every day for the grace of the Lord to be able to say it. Yes, maybe with some wonderment, also even with some fear in our hearts. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Pray, O oh Lord, let me be your servant. For over and beyond all the things I desire and strive for, I long for your kingdom. I long for your day. As you see the day of your return approaching, make me able to submit to whatever you ask of me. Grant me your grace so that fear or selfishness do not call me, cause me to fail you. If you're willing to walk in his way, to do whatever task he gives you in his way, then you may, without a doubt, experience that the power of the Lord will overshadow you. That he will be with you all the days of your life and, and then on and on. But one more, one more time. Read the word of our text. The words of Mary. Verse 38. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And, and then after this, then we read, then the angel left her. He left Mary behind. A young girl in a small town with a no good name. In Galilee of the Gentiles. But she was not alone. She would never be alone again. Even when many years later, her son would hang on a cross. And in this way, a sword would pierce her soul. The power of the Lord overshadowed her. He would always care for her. He would point to the disciple he loved and tell her, woman, behold, you are son. One day, Mary will, surrounded by a great multitude of all the Lord's servants, step from this world of shadows of death into the light of the eternal day. And may it be that we will all be part of that multitude. Amen.